What's up, guys? We're back with another episode of the EX Performance Podcast. We're coming at you in a little different format this week. Uh, we are shooting this um, via Zoom and going to drop the audio for you guys. Jeremy has, has left us for the better. He's moved out west right now doing some things for the Army, bigger and better things, some schooling. Um, and that got us talking. So we're talking about travel, talking about some other things. But the main thing we dialed it back into was sleep. Um, so we're going to talk about all things sleep in this podcast. So Jeremy, how you doing, man? Uh, doing all right, I hope. Yeah, man. Travel back to the West Coast, kind of back towards my homeland. So it's all right. But uh, it, it was weird leaving kind of Raleigh for the last time, I guess, like typically for the last six years, you know, I've left and been like, oh, I'll be back in three days. And now it's like gone. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, so I mean, that's what started us off on this this little tangent about sleep. I mean, Jeremy's just switching time zones right now. He's obviously going to have to switch his daily rhythm because um, the demands of the course. And so that got us talking into about or splitting things down. It's about ten questions on sleep. Some from our athletes, some that he and I were kicking around from each other for each other. Um, and it kind of starts off with how important is sleep for adequate recovery. So I'll kick that over to you, Jeremy. I mean, I think. The easy answer is obviously to say it's, it's super important, but um, when we come down to like, if you look at like Chinese medicine, that's the kind of the route that I look at, um, and things that occur overnight, you know, our growth hormone production, testosterone restored, the way the liver functions in the morning, it can all just be summarized by like, that's when your body actually truly recovers. Um, there's no kind of like secret sauce that you can do to fix that, and I think for me, it's something when I was traveling back to the West Coast, and I have a lot of athletes that go TDY and whatnot, and, and CrossFit athletes that travel. Um, it's something I haven't had to experience in a while, but it just shined light on it of like how important recovery is in terms of hours of sleep, quality of sleep, and all the different aspects of sleep, not just, oh, I slept well or I slept good, and like you wake up the next morning. So it can drastically affect your training not only intensity but volume as well yeah man and, and I completely agree like I've never seen a high performer that's a bad sleeper in any given field you know what I mean so like it doesn't matter if it's a high performing athlete a high performing military athlete and, and I will say that's relative right you do have some people yeah. that can do it with five six hours of sleep a night six or seven you know maybe but the problem is those are the outliers, you know, like those are the absolute 0.01%. And everybody tries to go all Jocko and copy them and, and wake up at 4am just to get the grind on. But when, when someone asks me how important is sleep for recovery, like there is nothing else. There's no supplement. There's no way around it. It is literally the thing that's common to all humans. And, and so when people try and hack more sleep and try and find all these ways around it uh, so they can get more training in, it's, it's kind of a self-defeating process. I think one of the interesting things I like to, I've kind of started recently asking a lot of my athletes is like, what's your sleep routine? Um, mostly because I, what I find is throughout the day, all these people are like, oh, I warm up for 20 minutes. I do this for my warm up. I work out for this long. I eat at this hour. I drink this much water. Everything's down. I'm like, all right, what time do you go to sleep? I don't know. I just kind of fall asleep whenever. And from my perspective, I think that if you want to be a high performing athlete, you need to have a plan to go to bed. Like you need, it needs to be a part of your day, not just a, something that happens because you're tired and it's getting late. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that brings me to like a very common question I get, even in our intake process, right? Like in, onboarding a new athlete over the weekend, um, talking to them about their sleep patterns. He's an SF guy. 
uh, up in Kentucky. And so we're sitting there talking about, you know, how important is sleep and, and he feels good with five or six hours a night. How many hours should he get? And I'm like, man, first and foremost, as much as possible, you know, like yeah. life is going to take a vote. If you can get nine hours of sleep a night and some of my best athletes do get nine hours of sleep a night because they set timers to go to bed at a certain time, but they also build their daily habit to get that. And I think a lot of people are sitting here trying to ask how much sleep is adequate and the answer is all of it but it's also quality and it's also the you you know you know the deal with circadian rhythm like the habit of going to sleep at the same time every night no matter regardless of the day and waking up around the same time in the morning is huge yeah and i mean that was what i wrote my thesis paper on was sleep and circadian rhythm and and that was the biggest study i looked at was the stanford basketball team doing sleep extension studies of 10 hours and their three-point and field goal percentage increased by over 40%. Yep. So it's like, if you're telling me something as simple as shooting a basketball, aiming, accuracy, like force put on the ball, improves by 40%, and also their mood increases, then from an athlete standpoint, even tactical, shooting, um, fast-twitch muscle fibers, aerobic conditioning, like, you can't get enough. <laughs> yeah, man, and you just nailed on the head, like, a lot of people are looking for these performance-enhancing substances, legal or illegal, right? They're looking for the, the hacks to do the best thing, be the best at whatever they do. But you just took a bunch of high-performing athletes. They are already pre-selected to be high-performing basketball players and increased by 40%. There is nothing else in the world that can provide that kind of return on investment. And so yep. it's funny to me when people are like, I need to train more. I need to take this supplement. I need this thing. And I'm like, what's the low-hanging fruit? Are you sleeping? Try and get more than seven hours a night. How's your sleep environment? What are your sleep conditions? And that's a bigger thing too, because I've got some other people who are like, yeah, I sleep eight hours a night. Okay, how do you sleep? Well, I don't sleep that great. So it's not, you know, equal across just eight hours to eight hours. Yeah, it makes, yeah, it makes a world of difference. Yeah, and so, you know, the, the other thing people ask me a lot about is, is trackers, right? So whether it's, it's wearables like the Whoop, the Aura, um, you know, ready bands, any of those other things that take that are, are wearables and trackables for sleep, or just using their phone in there. And so I will tell you, I don't have a preferred one. I've got athletes that use both. They use whoop, they use aura, they use ready band. The moral of the story is they're tracking and it's just creating awareness. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm not a PhD sleep researcher or anything else. But when I start to see a disruption in their normal pattern, that's when I start to get concerned. That's when I as the coach start to train uh, you know, change training plans accordingly. Yeah, I think for me, I don't really have a specific one, but I just always ask my athletes for it to be consistent. Um, a couple of the ones, obviously, I, a lot of my guys have the whoop. I use the whoop personally. Um, but the biggest thing I always try to um, kind of warn people about is the number on the whoop isn't everything. Um, it's just kind of a data metric that you need to track over time. So like me personally, traveling back to the West Coast, I've been kind of in limbo with sleep. Um, so like, for example, I think it was last week at some point I woke up at like 30%. According to Whoop, I might as well just like go for a walk with a dog. I end up hitting like a 265 snatch, like the most I've snatched in a while. Um, so I think people oftentimes with the Whoop get caught up on it. I do think it's a good metric and I do think it's valuable to use. So that would be a device that I point towards someone. But personally, I think 
more devices or you should spend your time and energy on more devices that will help you sleep. When we get into like better sleep conditions, we'll talk about a couple that I know you use, I use. Uh, yep. That will help you sleep better, not just what a number is going to read because your, your wristband. No, I think that's, that's a, a key point, man. I, I see it the same way with heart rate trackers. I see it with some of these other things where athletes want to be so data driven that they forget to listen to their body. And that's back to the, you know, how much sleep do I need? Well, how do you feel? How do you perform? You know, there is such a thing, I think, of, of people sleeping too much, not necessarily too many hours, but they sleep too late into the day. They throw off their rhythms out of norm. Sometimes I do it on the weekends. Like, yeah. you know, we, we had to push this thing back because I slept in for the first time in, in a long time because I just historically, while Dude, I thought, later in life, I suck at sleeping. I thought it was a Saturday. So I was like, oh, how's the athlete? No, no, no. We were, we were there early yesterday, but. Um, you know, that, that kind of brings me to some of these wearables and some of these other things, they're bookends, right? Like as long as we're within a certain variation or certain, um, you know, left and right limits, that's what we use them for, but we don't use them to necessarily like drive training or, or not. Um, but you know, just like you traveling, the whoop band doesn't necessarily know what that was like and what measures you took with hydration and compression and these other things while you're traveling. So it's just a blanket thing. And I do, I think Whoop, I don't know if you've seen the most recent update. They're trying to make updates like that where it's like, no, your hydration and all that. It's really subjective though. Like no, <laughs> if I, said I was super hydrated and all of a sudden they gave me a bat, you know what I mean? So, um, but I always tell people, I think the Whoop's a good thing, but try to correlate it or at least journal. Journaling is always a good thing. Like with how you feel, like you should be able to wake up in the morning and tell yourself how you feel before your Whoop does. Absolutely. If you, if you wake up with energy, you wake up ready to get it. It doesn't matter if you're 15% recovery, in my personal opinion, like go train, go get after it. Cause you're feeling good. If you wake up and you're just in the dirt, like congratulations, you might have an 80% recovery, but that might not mean everything checks out. Yeah, man. And, and that kind of brings me to the, the thought process of, you know, suboptimal sleep and training. So sometimes it happens. You and I both work with tactical athletes that that are quite literally traveling the world. We're working with other athletes who have weird work schedules, you know, shift work for being nurses. Um, and then just in general, sometimes you have crappy sleep, like it, it happens. Um, and so sometimes I get the question of, hey, my, my whoop band or, or even just in general, they know like, I didn't sleep that well last night. Do I just not train? If we did that all the time, I can tell you right now, I'd never train. Like I, I just don't get good sleep. <laughs> sleep study proven time and time again. I'm working with some doctors to try and fix it, but, but unfortunately it's sort of a, a nervous system issue. But without going into that, what I tell my athletes a lot of the time is like, if, if sleep is impaired by more than about two hours, so if you're normally an eight hour sleep person and you cut about two hours, we're at least cutting 20% of your volume and intensity on the daily basis, right? And that's, that's the whole, you know, um, responsive coaching and adaptive coaching that you and I both do and the EX system does. So an athlete tells me, hey, I had crappy sleep last night. I, I lost two hours of my normal sleep. I'm immediately cutting their volume and intensity by about 20% for that given day and see what the rest of the week holds. If it's more than that, if it's more than about two hours, you know, say four, when you normally sleep eight, we're just doing some light recovery work. We're not doing anything else that day. And that's the walk you talked about. What about you? Do you, do you promote anything different with your athletes when they have poor sleep? Uh, so the biggest thing for me is I, I'm one asking how many hours they got. Same, same thing. Cause I, I track a lot of their sleep. And so I measure how much they lost. Um, I always promote movement. Um, just the intensity and effort level will come down to meet their readiness to train. 
Um, if they're in our gym, I know we have the vertex at the gym, they'll hit a vertical jump, knowing that if it drops more than 10%, you're just not there. Um, just from what I've seen, I see a lot of the, the top end performance drop, but that doesn't mean that there's not quality training in there. So if someone does, let's say from eight hours to six hours, they're feeling groggy. Well, that's why we, I mean, with evolution, we, we do all the auto-regulated training where it's like, hey, that tough triple doing, let's say if it's normally a 90% lift for you, if you're 75%, I would say moving is more important than stressing out about hitting 90%. Oftentimes I change a lot of conditioning pieces if someone's really sleepy to sustainable efforts or easy work. Um, because oftentimes when I put for time in there and someone doesn't sleep right, aerobic system is one of the first ones that comes down and they struggle through a conditioning piece. And then all of a sudden they're mad or they're upset that they didn't train that well. Um, and then typically I always follow up with what was the last couple days, because from my experience, I feel like you can get by maybe on one bad sleep night. But I think when you start to feel the effects of it is after about three or four nights continuous continuously bad sleep. Um, I bring Taylor as an example. Taylor hit me up on Saturday, said he, got, he had something going on. Um, come to find out, he was working like 13-hour days and sleeping like trash all week. Yeah, um, and I could see it. I saw him. You know, he was looking flat, yeah. and we talked about it, and that's it, man. You can still salvage the day. And I think some people forget, you know, a lot of our athletes are, are chomping at the bit to train. Very few of our athletes do we ever have to encourage to do more. <laughs> like, they always want to. So that's, that's one thing. But, you know, like when, we, when I see that with one of my athletes and, and it becomes a repetitive thing, um, it almost becomes self, self-defeating, right? So they want to, they're super tired, so they want to train, so they up the caffeine or they up the stimulants, right? Then they try and get a subpar training session in, then they are impacted that night by, by poor sleep because of the supplements and becomes this vicious cycle. Yeah. So sometimes I like to break that cycle by either A, don't do anything that day, or B, just get in what you feel you can do that day. And like you said, the auto-regulated piece is there. So they're not, oh, I'm supposed to hit 92.7% today on my snatch. And it's like, no, it's not, not how humans work. And, and, you know, the other thing too is with, with my tactical athletes, like a lot of them are, are use lack of sleep as a badge of honor. And a lot of times I have to do it with, with objective results. Like, hey, you just ran a six-minute mile. I know you are capable of five whatever. Um, it's probably because you didn't sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's times like that as well. It's like if your five mile drops a couple of minutes randomly, you know what I mean? Like without foreseeing it in this, in the scheduled cycle that we have you on, that's typically why I start to point to other things. A lot of times if it's a chronic issue for me, and if it's not like a pressing competition coming up and, or like a selection, I'll actually tell them, Hey, we're just going to drop your overall volume and work on lifestyle habits. Yep. I think there's, there's free lifestyle habits that everyone should have. Um, I preach them all the time. And I think if you can't do those ones that are free, then why are we going to hammer you with volume and intensity that you can't recover from? Cause we're not, recovery is king. We, we say it all the time. Like if you can't recover, there's no point in doing more. Yeah. And you know, like a, a good example for me would be, I've got an athlete who's deploying soon, um, in a couple weeks. And so we are already talking now about pre-sleeping in the U.S. to help his circadian rhythm once he travels, I don't know, eight or nine time zones away. And then on top of that, we're talking about nutrition habits we can do to reset his circadian clock, like eating at certain times is going to have a clock response, if you want to look, look at it like that. And then when he gets into his certain theater, for me, I do about a day per time zone crossed, right? We're going we're gonna to look at time zones crossed. If it's eight or nine, we're going to take eight or nine days to reset. 
That doesn't mean we're not training those days, but we're not hitting the volume and intensity we need. Let them get adjusted. And then once they get into a normal pattern of life, we're going to set up training around them as a human before, you know, setting training protocols that, that they have no business doing at that point. Yeah, well, I, I've grabbed that one from you. Um, I do the similar thing. I, I try to tell them and encourage them first day there, go out on a walk, flush some blood. I think, I mean, one of the, this is a whole nother episode when we get into like recovery tools, but like compression pants, not a lot enough, not enough people wear them. And so when you get off the flight, you just sat there for, I mean, upwards to maybe six, seven, eight hours. That's a lot of lymph that's just hanging out in the legs and hanging out in the body. So I always encourage people like, hey, even if you do have a training session because you land in the morning, right after you land, go for a walk, tour a city, do whatever you got to do just to move some blood and maybe get some sweat going. Yeah, you know, and I agree that that's, that's the difference in, you know, a conscious coach being aware of those things as opposed to making the athlete try and fit some Excel sheet just because it says sets and reps and and we know over the long haul and health and, and wellness, those things do much better when we're building it for our athletes. Yeah. So let's, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about sleeping conditions, right? So when I'm looking at my bedroom, when I'm looking at athletes and, and what tools I recommend they have in their bedroom and, and try and get those anywhere across the world, obviously there's good sleep, sleep hygiene habits of cold and dark. You know, those are the two main things, cold, dark, quiet. Um, you know, me specifically, I've got blackout curtains, recommend them to everybody. I've got a um, amazing device called a chili pad, but there's yeah. other ones out there. You know, and I yeah. think you rock a chili pad too. And oh then, yeah. You know, there's other ones even coming on the market called bed jet. And these other ones that are, are there to um, shift the sleeping environment to one that promotes recovery. Yeah. I mean, all research points to the colder you can get it, the better. Like I think the, all the research says about 56 only because they haven't gone colder from what I believe. Um, and so, yeah, chili pad, I'm a huge fan of the dark shades, or even if you have one of those eye covers, I personally don't like to sleep with one of them on. So I use the blackout shades. I do both. Um, but you know, people, yeah, uh, the dark you get in. I think it's important when you hit on sleep hygiene, a lot of times I get questions on that. Um, and I think sleep routine is also important to throw in there. And just what I mean by that is, you know, like, are you turning off the TV maybe 30 minutes before you go to bed? It should be maybe an hour, an hour and a half, but let's be realistic. Um, like for me personally, I try to I try and at least wear my glasses past five o'clock, right? Blue light blocking glasses, blue lights obviously going to limit the secretion of melatonin. So I won't be able to fall asleep. So I put them on after five o'clock. Um, obviously temperatures dropped and then no getting ready your body to go to bed. I jump in the shower, brush my teeth, do the same thing every time. So that way when I'm ready to get into bed. My body kind of knows. Yeah. Um, from a, from a, you know, evolutionary perspective, we are creatures of habit, right? Same time of, of things every day equates in, in habit formation and long-term change, like even at the DNA level. So, you know, there's a great book called Sleep, Sugar, and Survival, and it talks about that. It talks about how sleep or lack thereof is literally killing our species. And I think we're seeing that across, across the whole species. We are starting to have a reverse in lifespan. And there's a lot of stuff that factors into that, but one of them is sleep and our diet. And so when I look at sleep and everybody asks me about all these magical supplements and testosterone and all these other things, like, like you were mentioning, there's, there's some studies that show um, testosterone increase from proper sleep by uh, you know, up to about 30% versus people taking exogenous testosterone, like literally injecting it like a bodybuilder and they get seven to 10% over a week. 
So when people are, are asking me about all these other things and they're trying to hack their way into stuff, like you just can't beat good old sleep. Yeah. It, it's similar when we talk about nutrition. It's a sensitive topic, but when we start, like people that under eat, if you're eating 1300 calories, like, we don't need to change. You don't need to be on any supplements. You don't need to do anything except for eating more food first. And then we'll go from there. I know. And it's, it's, it's crazy to me. I've, you know, I've seen some of the athletes on the far end of the spectrum that are so worried about, you know, the ones I'm thinking of are more worried about aesthetics than performance, but still they are not sleeping so they can get up and do their fasted cardio. And then they yeah. go through the day living off of bang and two grains of rice and then come in for their training at nighttime. And, you know, next thing you know, you're getting this tired and wired cycle and they think they're feeling good. Cause it's almost like a, a drunk driver. They're like, I don't need, I don't need sleep. Just like a drunk driver is like, hey, take my keys at the beginning of the night. By two or three in, they're like, let me get them back. It's like, no, nah, you know you probably shouldn't do that. Four or five in, when they're blackout drunk, they're, they're just like, give me the keys. I'm Mario Andretti. These yeah. people who are constantly sleep deprived don't realize it. They don't realize how far down that, that rabbit hole they've gone. And sometimes it just takes someone yeah. else, an external person saying, you need to sleep more than you need to train. And it's just one of those things. And that's like part of the all encompassing coaching experience that we have, right? Like, I think one of the biggest things everyone, when they hire us to help them, like in their journey is they think we're just going to load them like these world-class workouts. I mean, which they are, but, uh, but also it's like, we will take you back to working out three times a week. If you have terrible life habits and you can't even do what an athlete needs to do. Um, I, I had lost my train of thought, but initially what I was going to say was like, um, when you look at the, the sleep number hours in a night, I think people that are sacrificing sleep for that morning session probably shouldn't have a morning session or, you know, or, or yeah. other things like that. Or if you're sacrificing sleep to have a three hour session, maybe we need to bump it back to an hour and a half. Yeah, completely agree, man. And that's, that's that trade off, right? Some can do it. Some can't, but some people want to cover, uh, the boring and, and hard to do training with more training or want to, you know, have the illusion of difficulty and say, Hey, I'm training this much per day versus what's being diff What's difficult is go to bed early, give up some of those social things that, that are keeping you from doing it. And, and when you look at the best athletes in the world, that's the reason they have everything removed from their plate. They have people who tell them when and where to be. They have people who do everything else for them so they can eat, train, recover, sleep. I think it's just one of those things you don't know what you don't know. Like, I think everyone, that's the number one thing I get is like, oh, it doesn't bother me that bad. Well, it's like, how do you know if you are constantly maybe drinking or you're not getting enough sleep? Because let me give me a month where you're getting seven plus hours and tell me how different you feel. And it's always like, oh, wow, I feel so much better. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> They're like, hey, let me, let me get this, you know, really, really expensive training device, really expensive training or crazy methodology of training. And at the end of the day, it's like, dude, what, why are you leaving the low-hanging fruit sleep up there? You're trying to go for the really advanced stuff, and you're just leaving all this amazing stuff right there. So I got mad at Trish. I got mad at Trish because she put in a result at like one in the morning. I was like, I, oh, what? Lauren's, what? Lauren's learned. Yeah, Lauren's learned to check her timestamp before she submits her <laughs> scores, whether she does it or not. I don't know whether she's sleeping or not. But you know, that's that's the other thing too. I will be the first to admit it that I say all these things. It's really hard for me to do. I got a kid, I got, I got a bunch of stuff going on. Um, and then just sleep for me is hard from some prior, prior military stuff in the past that I'll probably never fix. 
but I do damage control, right? So I try to. So for me, I'm not a big, um, you know, biohacks guy or anything else. I like simple stuff, but there are some sleep supplements and some things that I do think have a time and place. But what I really want to stay away from is, is the athletes who do the high mega doses of pre-workout and caffeine supplements during the day and ambient or lunesta at night, right? That isn't deep restorative sleep. So, you know, full disclosure, just started carrying driven nutrition in the gym recently at random, tried one of their rest and recovery supplements. Um, it's literally called R and R for me. It's been amazing. Some other athletes have, um, emergency and these other ones that they take. But for me, that R and R has been amazing. I don't yeah. feel like I'm, I'm, uh, drastically more awake when I woke up, wake up. I don't remember the last time I've woken up and felt rested. But at least with this, like I'm waking up around my alarm. I'm not angry to get out of bed and I feel better. So like for me, that's what's working. And it's nothing crazy. It's a little bit of melatonin, a little bit of magnesium, valerian root, some GABA, stuff like that. There's multiple other supplements out there with them. But I think those are the ones you always come back to when you talk about sleep. Yeah. Yeah. The melatonin, obviously, we, like, we can get into circadian rhythm and what the role that plays. But if you're not on a good kind of melatonin cycle, Obviously, you need to supplement some melatonin, zinc, magnesium. You use a lot of that during uh, sleep. Obviously, restore, but also you lose it during sweat. So it's like all these athletes are typically deficient on it. Um, and GABA, I'm not really sure on the mechanism of it, but I do know that seems to be the most common one. Um, but I think it's important to know. So I myself, Chris, like spoke so highly of this R&R stuff. I ended up trying it um when the corona thing happened because my activity level dropped significantly so i wasn't falling asleep properly um and it helped tremendously <laughs> it was a lifesaver but i think it's important to note since i've traveled to the west coast i have not taken it because i haven't been sleeping properly from a cycle standpoint because i've been kind of moving around trying to get settled in my days have been kind of all weird i've been waking up early because of the time change so that, that's not an opportunity for me to go and throw R&R on top of it and be like, oh, this is going to fix the problem. So my plan as of now, I have like a pretty much a brand new bottle of it. Like I need to fix my sleep cycle first. And once I get into a routine, then supplement it, not fix it, supplement it with more R&R to help my further recovery. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's an in tune, know yourself type of thing. A lot of people try and slap a bandaid on when they have these uh, sleep supplements and, and they are doing things like you're doing big life changes. But, you know, there's a whole field of chronobiology that talks about all this stuff, stages of sleep, you name it. And, and it starts with habits and routines more than it ever does supplements. And that's what's funny to me is people want to jump right to supplements, even on this end. It's not for performance, it's not pre-workout, but it still counts. So if you don't have your nutrition, if you don't have your daily life figured out, um, you know, a lot of those things are going to throw you off. Like some of my athletes, um, female athletes tell me about how their sleep is impacted during their, you know, menstrual cycle. And so some of those things have to factor into training, but they're not sitting here trying to take more sleep supplements when that happens. Yep. I think that's something the, the elite athletes or tactical, or just anyone that's really high performing or just even really health conscious does is they just take note of a lot of stuff. And that's the thing I try to get all my athletes to do is like, don't just question why you didn't have a good workout or why this didn't go wrong. Cause quite frankly, from a day-to-day -day perspective, like if you have a bad workout, it doesn't mean you're not getting fit. 
but there's more to the answer. There's more to the question. There's more like why, like you tell me why, and then I can give you my best judgment from what I see as a coach. But typically I get athletes that are like, Oh, well, you know, I didn't drink any water all day. And then I slept for three hours and then I eat like fried chicken. I'm like, there's, <laughs> there's your answer without asking me why. So we can create smarter athletes that are self thinking and you start to figure that stuff on your own. You're able to wake up and be like, man, I didn't sleep that great. I'm going to kick down to like sustainable activity or something. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the most, um, I think eye-opening discussions I ever had with one of my athletes was talking about the pain during training, right? So the, the burn during a really high intensity piece, the pain post-workout, um, with just joints and everything else. And we talked about it and cause we're talking about anti-inflammatories. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Hey, don't forget sleep is an anti-inflammatory, right? That's when you clear the brain. That's when you get a lot of things uh, reduced and, and lack of sleep is correlated to an increase in pain perception. So a lot of these athletes are like afraid to go to the pain cave when they have to, not all the time. Um, and then, you know, just day-to-day -day pain. It's like, hey, you're, you don't need more Motrin. You don't need more whatever the turmeric or the thing is this week. You yeah. need sleep. You don't want to be in pain? Sleep. And so a lot of people forget that. But I will flip that around. Some of my early on, some of my own training was so hard, so intense that it affected my sleep. Like I was in pain, so I couldn't sleep. So sometimes it, it's a balance of both. You want to hurt less, sleep more. You want to sleep better, don't train like an idiot all the time. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that's, that's all I got. Jeremy, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, there was, I think I shot you one that was just, uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about time, time zones and rapid, um, changes in kind of a schedule. Um, I, it's just more of a, a theme of like, you hit on it when you talk about guys that are deploying and, and getting ahead of sleep, just be understanding that things will change if you change time zones or you're changing circadian rhythms. Like you need to be able to, I, I'm assuming they do it with sports teams. I, I've watched documentaries with the Rams and and uh, the podcast they kind of release where it's like they're the way they sleep forward the guys going to London like it's incredible yeah, it's a week process and and it's just something that's been on my mind since coming back from the wet or coming to the west coast um, it's something I've had to get used to even like a training day um, I've had to get used to it and so I figured if if on my level I'm experiencing it I think we should be able to share it kind of with the whole crew so I think it happens to everyone. I think just everyone's so afraid of missing the one training session. I could promise you doing the right thing when it comes to sleep, recovery, and then proper volume and intensity with how you're feeling will go much further than, oh, you crushed your session, but you sucked at it because you're so tired. Yep. Yep. Couldn't agree more, man. So um, I think that's all we got for this week, guys. Uh, really appreciate you listening in. Um, sleep is huge. Hit us with any questions that you have about it. Obviously, recovery in general is huge, but sleep is our major tool. Um, and we would love to hear what you guys do or, or works for you because we, we are all about spreading the information to the, the community at large. So thanks again for listening. We really appreciate you guys giving us your time and, and attention. Uh, Jeremy and crew, thanks for dropping in. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. And as always, remember, get better every day. Thank you.